Are you struggling to create engaging content for your B2B brand? Let Podcast Town help. Our expert services will help you develop a successful content marketing strategy, making your brand stand out and increase revenue. With our guidance, you'll create quality content that resonates with your audience and builds brand loyalty. Visit our website at podcasttown.net to learn more and to get started today. We help you launch, grow, and maximize. What's up, Enterprisers? Welcome to another episode of the Enterprise Now podcast, where we shape the mindset of the high achiever to think like an entrepreneur. We talk with masters of the craft to get the cheat codes to success, helping elite enterprisers level up and maximize their brand. I'm your host, LZ, the mayor. Now let's get to it. So, Lori, the first thing that I want to do before we get into Strategic networking um, and all that good stuff is you have got to give me your best oh yeah. My best what? Your best oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's pretty good. Oh yeah. That's even better. Oh yeah, Alzi, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So the thing that when people are watching is they're like, okay, Lori seems like a pretty outgoing, go with the flow kind of guy, but that's not really the case. You're an introvert. Oh, introvert to the core. Introverts to the core. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When people used to visit my parents' house when I was younger, I would hide in the basement because I didn't want to meet them. Now, how old were you when you stopped doing that? I still do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, I didn't learn to be more extrovert or act as not an extrovert. I learned to act as an extrovert really in the last 10 years. Okay. Now, was that a function of business or why? What was the, the thing that caused you to say, you know what, I need to. I was in a a group like Vistage type group and I had three women in there who became my mentors and said, you're never going to go to where you want to go in life unless you get out of your shell Mm. and start going out and talking to people. Mm. And they made me do it. They they didn't coach me. They made me. They weren't going to help me in any way, shape or form unless I did that. Mm -hmm. And my chair of that group also said, you have to stop working for people. You have to work for yourself, Mm. which requires you to be a salesperson. So I had to learn how to be an extrovert. Yeah. Act as an extrovert. Have you always been interested in accounting? Because I'll tell you, when I started grad school, I had to do summer school because I was working and I couldn't do like the traditional path. And the first class that I had to take was accounting. And I sat down in the, in the second row, uh, like some people that are here today. And the teacher stands up there and they and she starts going over how to debit your credit account and how to credit your debit account. And my mind exploded. Like my brain literally exploded. Like that's not normal to think that way. So how did you get into accounting? I never wanted to go into accounting, but I've always been intrigued by advanced mathematics and science. So I had like fourth year college calculus courses and I've always been intrigued by pattern statistics, how they figured out like the orbit of the sun and the earth. And so it wasn't driven by accounting. There's a story behind it. I screwed up my lab. I was in pre-med and didn't want to take the organic chemistry lab over. And I just converted into finance. I didn't get an accounting degree as an undergraduate. I got a finance degree. Uh-huh. And so but that served you well, right? I mean, your professional career as an entrepreneur and, and business owner are in the area of, of accounting, correct? I did because it was easy. I was able to get a master's degree in accounting in one year. And so I took the easy path. It wasn't what I wanted to do. I was lazy then and took the easy path. 
Got it. Unpack that a little bit, right? You you were lazy and took the, the easy path. I had so many credits and finance was done and they offered, they said I could get a master's degree in one year and it was in accounting only. And I said, I do that. It was easy for me. I passed the CPA test right away, but I never went into public accounting. I graduated with like, I think like 70 people. I was the only one who didn't go into public accounting. I didn't work in public accounting until I was in my 50s. So I never followed a conventional path because I was a ski bum. And I went to work for a company who allowed me to travel all over the United States. And they said, you don't have to fly home. You can fly anywhere you want. So I flew to Breckenridge and I bought a condo out there and, was a, and I would work. And weekends during the ski season, go fly out there and ski. Got it. So where'd you go to school? University of Illinois. Why? Because I was, again, too lazy to go do any. I, I had no guidance growing up. My you, parents, you could have traveled a few hours south and went to Southern Illinois University, became a Saluki, and then we would have another connection point. That's where my wife went and never graduated. Because all she did was party there. <laughs> party? <laughs> well, I don't know where that reputation comes from. There, it's a party school. There's some partying that happens, but I'm sure every college has that. Why, why does Southern Illinois get that rap? It does, though. It does. So talk about networking. Right. So you're an introvert. You've learned how to act as a as an extrovert. And you are, in my opinion, I know a lot of people. You're probably the best networker that I know. How did that happen and, and why? Because I had to get out of my shell one, but I couldn't do it. I never do things conventionally. And my networking wasn't designed to go out there and network and get business. It was to meet people. I call it a supercharged networking. Develop relationships first and business will follow. And if you do it that way, it was easier for me. Because I originally tried networking. Hi, Elsie, what do you do? I'm an accountant. you have a job for me? And I learned that's not networking. I don't have a relationship out of that. And when I switched to COVID caused the start of Lunch with Lori, I would take people out to lunch and I literally write their life story in a post on LinkedIn all about them. And I learned everything about them. I learned what questions to ask and started having relationships with that. When you write about someone else and promote them, they remember you, and that's the form of networking I like. We develop relationships. It isn't about getting business. Most of the people I network with, I'll never give them business. They'll never give me business. But there's still people I know and depend on and can have fun with. Mm -hmm. Now, that's a, a very good point. It's actually how we met. Yep. I saw you on LinkedIn, and I'm like, who is this guy? I want to have lunch with Lori. And so I reach out, and you're like, well, don't really have the space to do a lunch, but we could do a breakfast on, on this date and this time. So we connect. We meet up and you started asking me questions that a person that I just first met just shouldn't be asking. And I thought, I'm thinking like, number one, who is this guy? And why is he asking me these deep questions? And so, but now here we are, like a few years later, we developed a relationship. And I think you're absolutely right, right? It's, it's, it's all about building relationships and, and serving is the way I think about it. Um, the return on relationship or ROR. So talk a little bit about your approach to networking. Dig a little bit deeper. You don't have to give away all the goods, but why should people focus on relationship networking and putting what they can give first as opposed to what they can get? Because the reason I ask all the questions is to, it's like the matrix on the probe. I'm trying to find common ground, something we have an interest and not in the business world. Because a lot of people get mad at me. I don't like talking about business at all the first time I meet them. I want to know about their family, their hobby, their likes, their passions, success and failure in life. And so you have to probe and ask questions because we are not 
especially as an introvert. If someone asked me those questions when I first started, I would go, oh, no, you can't ask a personal question. That's I'm now I'm going to be vulnerable. But those questions are powerful. They're not for everybody. There's a failure rate of 40% when I do that. But here's the other thing of networking. You don't worry about your failures. You only focus on your successes. And if you do that, people know you're authentic, you're real, and it leads to all great relationships. It could lead to friends, vendors, business, all kinds of things. We always look at networking to get business. Sometimes you get the best friends in the world on networking. It doesn't have to be business only. We view networking too one-dimensional. That's a really good point because I always think of it from the viewpoint that not only am I building the, the relationship with you, but with the people that you know and the people that they know and the people that they know. Talk a little bit about the science behind it, because I know there's some science. Whenever Lori says anything, there's some graphs and some charts and some <laughs> there's some other scientific approach. So talk, talk about that well, a little that's bit. That's another thing. With my science and math background, I looked at networking different. Networking is a mathematical function combined with laws of science. The mathematical part is there's two function, basic functions in life. A straight line function, you do something, a result, or an exponential function, which takes the compounding of time and effort to kick in. And I realized I thought I failed at networking because I was looking like, go out and meet LZ, I'll get business from LZ at one-to-one. When I stepped back and looked at it as a exponential function, I realized success won't come in the beginning, and I'm not failing because I don't see results. But once you get inflection points, and networking, me studying it, you start getting a thousand connections, say a LinkedIn or meet people, stuff start happening. You get four thousand starts growing. So slowly you move up and then it takes off on you. Mm-hmm. Like we we're talking before, the part no one talks about, how do you do a success of networking? Mm-hmm. That's a whole monster in itself. Successful networking at the end, if not managed, could consume you in a negative way. Mm. So that's what I'll call the mathematics side. Then there's the science side. If you are always taking energy out of your network, asking, taking. The energy is gone from the network and there's no energy left. Mm. So networking requires you to, it's counterintuitive, you have to give energy before you ever have a chance to take it out. Mm. And so you're always blowing in the balloon. And then if you're underwater and need some oxygen, you can suck a little out. But if you don't put the oxygen in ahead of time, the energy in your network, you can't take it out successfully. Mm-hmm. The problem is it's randomness of the universe. You don't know when that energy is going to come out and where. Mm. And so that's why, in my view, network very wide and for a long period of time because the energy will come back to you and that's your take. But you don't know when that's going to happen. So talk a little bit about Lunch with Lori, why you did it, what things you learned from it, and what's the state of it today? Lunch with Lori really is about I decided to network by learning about other people and building those relationships. And it really was asking questions of somebody learning all about their life, publishing it because they didn't want to publish it. And then I started live events. And at my first live event, I think I had 50 people sign up. COVID hit, canceled it all. And then Pat Miller, who gave me the idea for Lunch of Lori, uh, said, what are you going to do now? And I go, what do I do now? Like, it's COVID. You can't meet. And that's where the virtual Lunch of Lori's, which had a great run, we had LZU or Coast, we had almost 400 people from around the world go through that. And it was different. Something I'll talk about in the workshop, we have to have a difference factor. And the difference was Lunch of Lori's virtual events, you had to answer personal questions to come. Everyone was connected for the meeting. And you had to explain to the group one of your answers, and you weren't allowed to talk about business. 
And that brought networking to a pure basis without any business part to it. And I think that's what was the success of it. It wasn't about business. It was about developing relationships with people. And the stories told there, a lot of those people never told those stories to their spouses or friends. People open up and were vulnerable, which was amazing to a part of the thing. It was amazing stories. Yeah. No, I agree. I think that vulnerability piece was the thing that, that really stood out for me. As we watched from the first one we did to the end, that was one of the common threads is when people are in a space where they feel comfortable that they can be vulnerable. That's where the best connections are made. It's interesting. Another part that came before this journey, which I don't have time to really publicize or share. When I first started working for myself, I didn't have a business card, a website or anything, but I wrote a blog about my journey in life and the topics was vulnerability. I wrote a blog about, I was a junkie for a day about how much morphine it took to get my kidney stone out. I had all these subjects that touched so many people. That was my business card for two years. And it got me business because people said you were real and vulnerable and no one ever talks about that in the business world. And one day I want to recirculate those topics because they're, they're key topics. I went through my wife almost dying from cancer. What is it like to go through that experience? Because a lot of us face really heartbreaking experience sometimes. There is no school how to go through that. And so that was the start of maybe if I break the barrier and want to be a little vulnerable, something good will come from it. Mm -hmm. So how does that impact where you're going? Right. We talked before we hit record a little bit about there are phases or seasons or times where your networking needs to shift and change. How do you approach that? And, and what's your mindset when thinking, OK, here's where I want to go. Here's my intention. But. This group of people doesn't really fit that. How do you reconcile that, right? Because when you are networking, how we're talking about it, these are real relationships. They're not like just business cards that you have in your in your cart, in your drawer. These are people that you know and that, that, you're, house. that you're friends with. And so how do you manage that as, as you grow into the different phases of your business and life? Again, I wasn't smart enough to pre-plan all this, but I will tell you how it worked. First, there's general networking. Build a big, wide, great network. And then as you mature, because one thing is, yes, you do it. Ultimately, one aim is to get business. So the seasons is much, isn't as much as I talk about the audience. So I focus a lot more on private networking events now where the general public can't come. It could be a private equity event. It could be a bank Christmas party, stuff that the whole public can't come to. And that sometimes has, for me, more my target audience in the business world so you have phases. You might want to start out with a general network, meet as many people as you can. That will lead to invitations over time to go into private networking events, which are more targeted and could wind up better for you. It doesn't mean that the business is right there. You have to work that too, but it's a different audience. Because you will see someone who goes to, a, say, a Pat Miller event might not go to a bank Christmas party. They're not the same audience. And so sometimes you have to have different audiences for where you want to go. And where I am in life, I need to upscale some of my audience because I'd rather have bigger assignments sometimes than a bunch of little ones. And that's just a personal choice. Some people want to play in the small business world, then you network in the small business world. It really has to do with where do you want to accomplish in the business side of your networking. Mm -hmm. How do you master Lori? Because a lot of things we talked about, right? You got a master's degree in a year. You are a master networker. Those things don't just happen. There has to be some kind of self-motivation, some some way that you are causing yourself to be successful. So talk a little bit about that. When you wake up in the morning, how do you manage Lori? I can imagine be, just because I know you. That's really tough. But 
I, I looked at that and I realized I have one thing that drives all this. I have just an unbelievable quest for knowledge and inquisitiveness. I really do. And so, and it's broad. It's not in one area. I like learning about different things. And you would say, what good does that do? It maybe does no good in that subject. Like I read Einstein's theory of relativity. Like who reads that? And I didn't understand three quarters of, but what it did, it opened my mind that you could, he thought so differently. No one else in the world could think like he did and created something that was in front of everybody, but they couldn't put it together. And that's what I like those quests for lunch with Lori is networking. It's out there. Anyone could have invented this. Anyone could have held during COVID those have questions, but no one else did. It's the quest to find things that other people have left behind and didn't capitalize on. How do you deal with your flaws and that? You learn by failure. I've failed a lot. I've been broke. I've gone through people. I've, I've told the story to some people. I've gone through garbage cans, pulling aluminum cans out with my wife and an infant in the car with nothing, not even $100 in a bank. So you learn from your failures. You wake up that day, next day after you do that and say, I'm never doing this again. And you just have to. And I think if you don't have enough failures in your life, you can't have the best successes. So one of the concepts that I love that I got from you was the concept of the Lori-ism. Even I even put it in my book. I saw um, that. Called it LZ-isms. So what is the Lori-ism that is at the top uh, of the list for you? I, from my business world, I really think sales are not profits and profits are not cash. I can't tell me business owners I meet, all they do is talk about sales. And then the next breath is we don't have any money. You got to say that again, because a lot of times people focus on, I had a boss once I was in upper level, you know, management and uh, I was the operations guy and every meeting, every management meeting, it's like, okay, what's our top line? What's our top line? What's the bottom line? And I'm like, guys, the top line is important as is the bottom line. But we should really start to focus on everything that's happening in the middle. So, so stay that again because I think that's a concept it's, that business owners need to to grab a hold of. Sales are not profits, and profits are not cash in the bank. And at the end of the day, if you don't have cash, you really don't have a business. And so, some of the fastest growing customers I've seen were also the ones most vulnerable to going broke. There's another lorryism. You always have to keep your infrastructure of your business ahead of your sales curve. If you do not do that, you're like the roadrunner in a coyote. You're looking over that cliff, and there's no infrastructure to support you. So that's that's another thing. Those things go together. you got to control your growth to have enough cash in the bank or have enough cash to allow you to borrow money because the bank thinks you're credit worthy. And you have to develop your infrastructure with people, procedures, and practices. has to stay ahead of your sales curve so you have a foundation to grow on. That is good stuff, right? So... Managing growth with your, you talked about foundation, making sure that you're setting all things. I think we talked before operations, making sure that you have SOPs, a standard operating procedures so that everybody's marching in the right direction and they're doing the same thing the same way every time. Critical, but it's not really that easy, right? Because we're oftentimes one, two, three person shops and it's expensive to hire somebody else. So talk a little bit about that. How do you forecast that growth? Build that foundation and segue and lean into into your, your growth. So I believe in upside-down principles. You build the foundation and the infrastructure before you start growing because everyone starts to grow without that and they never catch up. So you do it upside-down. So I'll give you a lunch of Lori. During that time on LinkedIn and stuff, I do a lot of posting and stuff. I had templates built for everything so I could respond fast. As you know, we, we had a joke. 
who's going to do a post about this event? And you say, well, you're going to let me be oh, first. Oh, it'll be then. you. Like, you'll beat me for sure. Because I have templates and all that. So I only have to add a couple customization things to allow me to have the speed. And what that did during COVID, here's an example. Of, it's a form of networking is I would be the public relations firm for many organizations because I was the first post about one of their events. And then I got all the comments and all the stuff is on my name. But I had to template that and have that done ahead of time. So that's where I applied what I'm saying. You build your infrastructure, your templates and everything first, and then you use them. Because if you don't do it that way, if I didn't have that stuff ready, I couldn't be the first for those posts. Yeah, yeah. That's really good stuff. And which is why it's important to build those relationships, right? Because as you grow, you're going to need a banker. You're going to need an accountant. You're going to need these folks. And if you've done your part and on the front end, you've already met these people. You have relationships with them. And so now it becomes, hey, here's a need. Who is in my network that can, can help me fulfill that need? And, and that's very interesting because I, I replace a lot of accountants and accounting firms. My customers always have an accountant or someone. But one thing I'll tell them, has your accountant ever brought you customers? Because one of the things that all this networking does, it allows me, you sell that. I have this guy who buys this. You guys have to meet. And that cross-fertilization is where one networks are a bunch of interconnected points. The more you connect things, the more powerful the network becomes. And so if you're always helping people you meet, even if you don't get anything in return, I have a customer for you. Oh, here's a potential employee. Have you checked out this vendor? You should come over to my house, have a drink, look at your stress. All those things build your network. And over time, again, I started really late in my 50s. If I started in my 20s, oh, my God, I'd be retired by now because all those points accumulate and compound over time that just make you a person that people have to be around or deal with. Mm -hmm. So what's next for Lunch with Lori? Is it gone forever? Is it making a return? No, it's like things like this. I'm doing this. I signed up to do a live thing uh, during the summer. It might be a different phase. I have not published my book, which is written. I was asking you about that. But here's the reality. I'm going to be 66 in less than 60 days. When the money's out there, I talked about before, when the money's out there, grab the money. Lunch of Lori serves a great purpose and it's not ended. But there's, like I said, it's not seasons. There's phases of your business and life. Now I have to mine what I have. Adding more people to my network now, each one's a lower marginal value. It doesn't mean that I don't want to meet new people. I have to go back and mine the best people I've met and take it from there. There's a podcast that I have that I really love doing, but I just don't have in this phase of my business. It just doesn't fit anymore. And so one thing that I'm doing is I'm looking for a person to host it. Same format, but a different person other than Elsie that can host it. So maybe that's a potential. Yeah, you know, I do not. I've never hosted a podcast, never did my own. <laughs> and that is one of my goals to do that. Um, no, not a podcast, but for Lunch with Lori. Oh, to do a Lunch with Lori like that? Yeah. To kind of hand over the reins, to pass the baton. You know, many people have their kids in their business. My kids don't want to be in business, so I'd have to find someone to do that. I'd be willing to do it, but like, who's the next up-and-coming networking person that we know in Milwaukee that... I don't know. Going out there? It, it, you think about that. I mean, you can the, maintain the name. Tony, are you the person? You could keep the name, yeah. right? Sort of like there's a time when the Ellen show, when she got into all the stuff that she was into, and she would have guest hosts. It was still the Ellen Show. So it could be lunch with Lori, just a different host. When I want to lose everything I've earned, I want to have a lunch with Lori restaurant. <laughs> but it would be a restaurant geared to networking. When you come in, it's community tables, and the whole theme is you always meet other people there, and you might have a cocktail hour thing. It would be a restaurant place to meet, which have food and drinks, but the goal of the restaurant, the theme is to meet other people when you go there. 
But how would you draw the introverts? Because I know, like, there are people that will look at that and say, I will never go to, <laughs> to that restaurant. If anything, I preach as an introvert. Every introvert I meet, I tell them, you could do this. The secret is, it's so simple. It's so simple and no one thinks it was like the, it's like the little sticker pads. The simplest thing was a billion dollar industry. Yeah. All you have to do is act as an extrovert for a couple hours or an hour at a time mm -hmm. and then go back to your norm. You don't have to be an extrovert. Mm -hmm. You just have to act as an extrovert for short periods of time. Learn to do that and you could be very successful in networking. Because when I used to network, you go in a room, the people in the corners and walls are the introverts. The people in the center of the room are the extroverts. I would be on that outer wall. And you just have to learn. I would tell the introverts, there's tips and tricks to learn. For example, during Christmas season, I would go to all these events. I used to go, when, I wouldn't talk to anybody. But there's a lot of tables. You get a drink and food. You see a table. You say, you mind if I put my food and drink down here? Then you start talking to people next to them. If you went up and just tried to talk to them, you might not get anywhere, but you always carry food or a drink with you. Put that down. Almost universally, people say, yeah, you can put the stuff down, and they'll start talking to you. So you have to find all those little tips and tricks to do stuff. Got it. Well, Lori, this has been a long time coming. I've been trying to get you on a podcast for, I don't know. Two and a half years. Two years or so. So I appreciate your time. Great conversation. What did I miss? What is something that I, I should have asked you, but I didn't? It's something for everyone who wants to be a good networker. How do you manage the success side of networking? That's It's always the front side. How do I start? How do I meet people? How do I follow up? Very few people talk about the management of the success side which is way harder than the building side. It really is keeping up with it. I literally cannot keep up with connections and contacts. That's all I would do. So it comes to a point where you have to say, I can't do it. And you do the best job you can. Yeah. Cause everybody wants to have yeah, lunch go, with I, I could go, I could go to lunch. You know, I'd weigh 500 pounds. I'd go to lunch six times a day. <laughs> <laughs> it just would never end. And that's another thing. I, I never understood this where people would give me someone's name when I was more introverted and they say, you really need to meet this person. And they wouldn't respond for two or three times. And finally, after maybe bugging them four times, they would respond. I do that now. You really need to see how bad someone wants to meet you because mm. you can't meet everybody. But the person who's persistent, you should give your time to because they really want to take the time to meet you. It sounds like a famous person problem to me. I don't know. No, it's not a famous person. <laughs> it's not a famous person. I don't want to be. A, that would be that would destroy my introverted core. <laughs> if you're well known enough to have a nice group of friends and people and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to be in the limelight all the time. I want to be in the back room. Got it. Well, thank you so much, Lori. This has been fantastic. Um, I appreciate your time. Thank you, Elsie. So it was a pleasure meeting you. Because look what that led to. A breakfast led to a relationship, working together, helping each other, stealing Lori-isms, but that's okay. I told you I was going to I know it. you did tell me that's okay. I, I would never borrow it unless I asked first. No, that's one thing you do, and I don't mind giving you because you have earned it. Well, I appreciate that. And people still come up to me. It's, it's almost three years post-COVID. And that I've never met in 3D, that I've only met during uh, the lunch with Lori. So I really appreciate you allowing me to be a part of it. Well, thank you. If you got value from today's show, we want you to join the Enterprises Elite email list for more nuggets and resources. And remember, no excuses, just execution. Go get it. What a fantastic episode. Hey, listen, I want to know something. What is the top concern that you have in your business? 
Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Operations? Shoot me an email, mayor at podcasttown.net. I want to start a conversation around these areas of business and how we can work together and help each other shine even brighter.